Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is JJ Virgin. Uh, JJ Virgin is a fitness hall of famer, TV and media personality. You may have seen her on Dr. Phil, uh, TNC's Freaky Eaters, Dr. Oz, so many other uh, TV shows, uh, as well as um, she's a four-time New York Times bestselling author, The Virgin Diet a bunch of other books, a bunch of cookbooks, um, also the creator of Mindshare, um, a bit I've spoken at in the past. Uh, and uh, funny how, how JJ and I met. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever told you this story, uh, but it, it was two great lessons in this day. So I was speaking at Traffic and Conversion Summit, uh, gosh, it's been years ago. And I remember it was the last day and I wasn't even thinking that, you know, I'm speaking on the afternoon of the last day and a bunch of people had already gone home. And so I was super bummed because there were like 30 people in the room and there wasn't anyone in anyone's rooms. I don't think that day. And, but I remember, so I remember I'm like, I'm going to give it my all. And then right after you're in the audience and you email me and you're like, Hey, I really like this, this one thing that you taught. Can you tell me more about that? And I remember it was like two big takeaways for that. One was something we talk about all the time, bloom where you're planted. (laughs) So no matter if there's, 10 people in the room, if there's 10,000 people in the room, give it your all. And then secondly, uh, was just the kind of uh, how people who are at the top of their game are lifelong learners. And a bunch of people had gone home, but you were there and you were taking notes. And, I was and taking learning. notes. You were dropping just value <laughs> bomb after value bomb. You were amazing. <laughs> I had a great time. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, so that was just like, that was a really cool moment. I think looking back, it was a great Great, uh, great piece of reflection. But JJ, uh, super excited to have you here. Thanks for coming. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, hey, let, let's, let's kind of go back. Like, why did you decide to write your first book and why get into books? Obviously, now books are a huge part of your business. They're a huge mm-hmm. part of like feeding into a lot of what you do. But why did you do the first one? You don't even know about the first one, Chandler. No <laughs> one does. Because the first one taught me the all important lesson about always having an attorney. so my very first book was because I was dating a screenwriter and he was like we have to write a book because he's a writer now the funniest part is I graduated from UCLA with an English degree but I do not like to write I actually like to speak so the way I write my books is through speaking because you know that's how my voice comes out and then you just transcribe them edit it etc so there's so many different ways we can write books right but he was like we have to write this book we have to write this book and so we spent a summer writing this book and it was a book and recipes so i was cooking all these things and we did this and um at the time i knew the guys i'm trying to remember the publisher for chicken soup for the soul but i knew the publisher and they offered me, I think, ten dollars or $15,000 for this book. And I sat down with Dr. Joe Mercola, and he said, self-publish. And I'm like, okay. So we decided to self-publish instead. And I signed a contract with my then boyfriend um, that basically gave him 50% of anything I ever did for the rest of my life. Oopsies. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, that relationship didn't work out. And I then was sitting at another business event and I, someone for like the thousandth time was like, how did you get your arms? I used to always, everywhere I go, how did you get your arms? And I was like, this time I went, because I was in a business environment that I should like do a program on this. And I had a manager at the time because I was doing a lot of TV. And I said, you know, I'm going to do this thing around six weeks to sleepless and sexy. He goes, that's a book. He literally had a proposal writer come over to the hotel where I was at. She wrote a proposal. I flew to New York with him. And I remember I went out to lunch with a, a, um, an editor at Simon & Schuster, took off my jacket. And she said, I'll buy the book. 
Like that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's the thing. If you are going traditional publishing, that actually is not what you want to do. You want to do what I did with the next book, which was, you know, write a really kick butt proposal, get it, get people up into a feeding frenzy, have an auction and really go for it. But at the time, you know, she was like, I'll buy the book and give you $50,000. And I remember walking down the streets of New York City thinking I had made it, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, little did I know that if you aren't someone with a big platform who can get a big advance, doing that is a big failure because the the publishers don't have enough skin in the game to really care. They kind of just buy it so no one else can get it. And they're kind of going, well, if if she can make something of it, great. If not, you know, it's not going to kill us. So they did not do a whole lot for it. Um, I did learn that you definitely, whatever you do, and you can do this now through self-publishing, which is so awesome, is you want to have a team, right? Um, And back then, the whole reason to do traditional was because you could have a team who could help you edit it and do, but now you don't need that anymore. You can get better ones, just like you get better, better PR agents outside of the publishing houses. You get better everything Mm. in general when they're not someone who's just said yes to having a job somewhere and getting a salary, right? Right. 100%. 100%. Man, so many things we could unpack there. What you, you <laughs> mentioned that you, you, uh, that you speak your books. That's how you prefer to do yes. it. What's your process for that? Yes. Um, it's funny because I saw someone writing, you know, you know, we have haters. And I saw, I saw a hater saying, and she doesn't even write her own books. I'm like, I teach people how to do it the way I do it because I, it's like, yes, I don't write them, I speak them. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what I do, because I found that my voice, I wanted to be a stage actress. That's why I went to UCLA on a theater scholarship, but um, I didn't like the department. So I thought I'll learn how to write. And so I can write. I just, it's not my favorite thing. I'd much rather do a TV show or get on a stage. And when I'm doing that, my voice comes out a lot better. So all I do is I framework, I'm very left-brained. I framework the book. And once I have the book frameworked, and I write bullet points for each area, then I can get in front of an audience. And now it's so easy because you can get in front of an audience, just turn on Facebook Live and you're in front of an audience and I can speak whatever I need to speak. And what's really great about that, especially if you're doing it, even even now on Facebook or Instagram, you can tell if you're hitting a nerve or not. It's like people are either reacting or they're not. But especially when I was doing Sugar Impact Diet, I started out, with that book on Brendan Burchard's stage, um, testing concepts, right? Now, most people go, well, that, like, I hear speakers going, never do that. I go, this is the best place to do it because if it's not working, they're not going to track you down. Yeah, they're not going to respond. (laughs) They'll leave. They'll be on their phone. So I always want to be with an audience testing these things. I don't want to spend all this time, write a book, and then, you know, no one buys it. Right. Yeah. You get feedback loops. You test the content. It's, yes. it's so funny how often that isn't followed by authors. And yet how often when I interview people here, it's the common thing. Everyone, it's like, oh, I did four webinars and tested all the feedback. And that was the book. Mm-hmm. Or I started speaking on this thing. It's like getting a feedback loop as fast as possible. Now you've exactly. done, you've done obviously a ton of books and you've done cookbooks, you've done regular books. And I, I kind of like how you pair up with some of your big books, a cookbook alongside it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm curious, cookbook, regular book, which one's harder? And kind of two part question. Mm-hmm. And then, and then what's, the, what's the thought process be- behind pairing up a cookbook with uh, kind of your more regular books? You know, a cookbook is to a diet book that a workbook would be to a business book. Mm. So it's, it's how you implement right? So it's great to think of it in that way. Now, what I will tell you is why I did them this way and what I would do going forward. I wouldn't do them the way I did them. So I wrote The Virgin Diet. And I remember, um, I have a very interesting way of cooking. What people don't actually know is in high school, I catered my way through high school. I was working for catering companies and I catered at UCLA. I actually even catered the 1984 Olympics 
Um, and I watched Nadia Comaneci eat an entire pate that was meant for like 50 people. You know, so I've always been in the cooking catering field. And when I graduated from UCLA, I was like, should I go off to culinary institute or should I go to grad school and exercise fizz? And I chose exercise fizz. Um, so food's always been a big thing. And when I wrote The Virgin Diet, at the very end of it, they go, we need some recipes. So I just kind of dumped some recipes in there that I'd done. But my challenge with recipes is that I don't measure anything. And it's really hard to, to sell recipes where you <laughs> throw a handful of that in. And if the texture's yeah. great, you know, so, so what happened was when, when we sold The Virgin Diet, of course, everything that people were asking for were more recipes. And what happened because I didn't have it ready, was that we had people writing, besides people just knocking off the book completely, writing my virgin diet, my seven-day virgin diet, my seven-day virgin diet cookbook, all this stuff. Someone wrote a virgin diet cookbook and sold $200,000 worth of that cookbook before I could get mine out. Because no I way. traditionally published it and it takes flipping forever, right? Yes, right, yes way. Yeah. So when I went, I sold the Virgin Diet, I got a, over a half a million dollar book advance and which was incredible because my first book, Six Weeks of Sleeveless and Sexy was, you know, it's, I think it's had maybe 20 um, printings because they print like five at a time. Um, so my second book, TLC Freaky Eaters had just gone off the air after two seasons, which I hear now it's back on the air because there's no shows on. People are like, it's, you're back on. I'm like, oh no, because <laughs> 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 it brings out the craziest people. You can't yeah. believe it. Um, so here I am, I've got, um, you know, I sell the virgin diet. Well, then we go in and we sell the sugar impact diet and two cookbooks with it as a three book deal. And it was a multi-million dollar deal, amazing. But what I realized with that is cookbooks on their own, unless you're, you know, Barefoot Contessa or something, or, or Paula Dean, that's, it's not your thing. It's more like a workbook would be to a business book. And what I should have done is I should have been ready with the Virgin Diet and I should have self-published right after published, say like three months afterwards, I should have self-published my first little cookbook of 50 recipes and then done like, you know, virgin diet desserts and then done virgin diet goes Italian and virgin diet goes vegan and virgin diet goes paleo, right? Because I could have done that easily and kept everything alive. And so if I had it to do over, that is absolutely what I would do. But um, it took and us why, a year, huh? It took why, us a year to get this. Go ahead. Self-publish and, and why do that three months after the main book? What's your thought process? Oh, so, so that Amazon keep, keeps loving up on you, you know, um, so that I do the Virgin Diet. It kind of gets its thing. Virgin Diet actually was 26 weeks on the New York Times. So it was staying up and up and up. And it's kind of coming resurging right now again, too. Um, probably because everyone's just destroyed their gut. Flour sales have increased 600%, which means everyone's going to have leaky gut from all the wheat and then they'll come back to the virgin diet. So go me. But um, the, so what I love to do is do something that's going to get Amazon something new and exciting to get them pepped up again, right? Um, and then they bought people that bought that book by this book, and then we can do it again. And then you've got more of it in the series. The other thing is I couldn't do this with the Virgin Diet, but if you have a book that you want to trademark, if you do it as a series, then you can trademark it. Unfortunately, the minute we tried to trademark Virgin Diet, Richard Branson was like, and no, you don't. I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's probably why I was going to ask that actually. That's probably why there, someone was able to come out with that knockoff, like my virgin diet, uh -huh. sell 200,000 copies because that phrase was untrademarkable. I can't trademark it. And it was so frustrating because, you know, it actually is my, my last name. Like I did not, right. like, like why, who would make that name up? Like, no, I didn't one day wake up and go, I think I'll be JJ Virgin. Um, so it actually is my last name and people are like, well, you should fight. I go, it's, it's Richard Branson. Like, you know, I, there's no fighting this one. It's like, I'm not winning. I'll, I'll go broke before I win that one. <laughs> the person okay. with the most money to spend on lawyers yeah. wins. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So for you, which one's, which one's harder and what's the difference? Like, I love the analogy of, you know, a cookbook is to 
a, a um, diet book, what a workbook is to a business yeah. book. Which one's harder and what's the difference as you see it? Well, so you asked me that and I totally avoided that question. I didn't mean to. So here's, <laughs> here's what I would say is we decided to put into the cookbook a little shortened, here's how you do the program, just so it could stand alone if needed. But they both had um, 150 recipes. Now, I hired chefs because you would never think about this. If I had to do it all my own, I would say the cookbook is so much harder because you have to write really great descriptions of each recipe. But when you're writing a recipe, they'll literally come back to you and go, is that a cup of strawberries that, because you put halved strawberries, one cup, and they go, is it halved and then measured or, or a cup of stra strawberries measured and then you have them? And I'm like, and then they'll go four ounces of chicken breast. Is that cooked or raw? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, so it's unbelievable, all these things. And then, and I remember this happening and I, I, it was just a nightmare. And so you have to get the photos and you pay extra. So you pay for your color photos. Then you also have to do the nutrition analysis. And so we had someone do the nutrition analysis. Now it's just putting it into software. And it was the guy who was doing the photos was also going to do the nutrition analysis. That should have been an obvious red flag to me because one is super, you know, left brain technical. And even if you're just inputting, inputting stuff, you have to know your numbers and the other one's super creative. And so I get the numbers back and I'm just doing a little cursory glance and I go, these numbers don't add up. Like I know that chicken breast doesn't have carbohydrates. Like it just was like, you just knew looking that he totally blown the whole thing. And this was right when the thing was due and, you know, if, if I had to redo it again, I was going to pay for the edits because that's what happens in traditional publishing. If you don't get it in, you get to pay for the edits. It was like, right. that was a nightmare. So the challenge with the cookbook, I feel that it is much harder because of the nutrition facts, because of you have to be so specific in these recipes. You can't, you know, if you, if you like misspell a word, um, or misdo, like instead of saying one cup, you put two cups. This is a big difference than misspelling the word in a regular oh, book, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And then like in Virgin Diet, they put serves four on my Virgin Diet shake recipe instead of serves one. You cannot imagine the amount of people who have emailed us about that. I'm like... Oh, no. And then you've got the books out in print. And so you can never, you can never like pull it back because there's books mm -hmm. out in print. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Yeah. That's the other, that's the other one is you better be sure that everything is really dialed. Like, you know, I think of the amount of times that they, we, we write it, like I speak it, I transcribe it. I hand it to the editor. She does her magic. She hands it back to me. I do my magic. I hand it back to her. She does her magic. We turn it into the editor. They do their magic. They bring it back to, uh, I mean, the amount of times you go back and forth and back and forth. And still, when I was reading my books and doing my audibles for them, and I think, I really feel that um, if you're the author and you want to have the audio version, it should be you. Like I yeah. just, Nothing drives me more crazy than listening to someone. It's, I, want to, I want to hear from the person. So yeah. I remember reading The Virgin Diet and finding mistakes, and it was too late. And I'm like, oh. So one big takeaway if you're writing your book is read it out loud. It's the yes. single, right? You have to do that to yeah. edit it. Makes yeah. all the difference. 100%. <laughs> we call it the verbal read-through. <laughs> and mm -hmm. actually, but I think the big thing is, actually read it out loud as if you're yeah. reading the audiobook. Not, not, not read it to yourself, read it out mm -hmm. loud. No. The difference it's is your brain will different. fill in the words. Yeah. 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 So uh, did you did you do the audiobook for your diet book or your diet book? Did you do an audiobook for your cookbook? No. You can't do okay. cookbook audiobooks, I don't that's, think. That's, that would that's be what I've always thought, yeah. but I, I've, I've never yeah. confirmed it. Yeah, no. I'm like, that would be the most boring audiobook. Wouldn't ever. it be like now? <laughs> cut the chicken. All right, we're waiting. Okay, now. No, no. Just the, uh, the diet books and the um, miracle mindset book that I retitled to Warrior Mom. Mm, got it. Yeah. Have you since self published any cookbooks? Yes. Um, we're actually getting ready to self publish one. We did a little smoothie guide. Um, and then truthfully, we do like, this is the funny part. And I think people don't consider this. Um, I was self-publishing for years before any of this anyway, with all the guides and things that we do. Right. I mean, all that's yeah. self-publishing, right? It just, yeah. I just didn't put it up on Amazon. 
but I think we have a smoothie guide up there and we just created a sweets and treats cookbook. I didn't do, oh my gosh, what a nightmare that like to me, I can tell you what I like in my ingredients, but I'm not going in there measuring and measuring for baking, forget it. But mm. we do have that one coming out as okay. well. And what's the difference in your process, uh, if any, I would imagine there's a difference between traditionally publishing a cookbook and the creation process, the publishing process, and between self-publishing a cookbook? Um, you know, I think it's interesting too, because as I say, the only real difference is the amount of, of re-editing that you do in traditional and how, you know, they're so hardcore. They're like, if, if you have to change it after this, we're going to charge you blah, blah, blah. And for Sugar Impact Diet Cookbook, we discovered that the nutritional information had gotten left out. I'd sent it to them, but they hadn't put it in. And then they were going to try to charge me. And that's when my editor was like, oh, no, you're not. Because it was yeah. kind of ridiculous. Here's what I'd say about um, self-published. You don't have to be as insane on the editing and self-publishing. You can publish it and maybe it's not perfect because everyone will tell you what's messed up in it and then you can just fix it. So, you know, it does, I don't mean just go publish something that's a B, but if it's an A minus because you might've missed a couple things that really, you know, don't come out. Like we do have this all the time with recipes we use and um, on our website where someone will ask a question that you just would never think about right? Until other people try it. And so that's the benefit with self-publishing is, yes, you're going to edit. You want to make this look beautiful. It represents you. I don't believe in the like, just, you know, get this garbage stuff out. Um, this is you and it's your brand and it's walking around representing you. Make it great. But if there is a little boo-boo in there or you want to upgrade something, it's so easy to do. Like when you do a published book, you better better make darn sure you got something in there. Like I had products that I don't necessarily love anymore that are in the book. I can't move them, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. New opt-ins, um, checklist, grocery lists. Yeah. I mean, when I yeah. wrote the virgin diet, getting gluten-free food and dairy-free food, there was no oat milk. There was no flax milk. Like it's right. entirely different world now than it was then. And, and yeah, my, ed, my agent keeps trying to get me to do Virgin Diet 2.0 and it just doesn't sound fun to me. Hmm. You know, I'm like going, because, um, you know, I'm a typical entrepreneur. I created it. I gave birth to it. Like it's, it's out there. I guess we could do a 2.0, but it's just not remotely interesting. I'd rather create something else. Right. So there you go. <laughs> cool. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. Hey, last question on a cookbook. And I want to move into more of like how this fits into the business, the products, all that stuff. What, so say I'm someone who's, who's thinking about doing a cookbook. Um, what would you say are like the three to five overarching steps of that process? Because we talk all day long about all the other kind of books but we don't talk about cookbooks. I think it'd be super helpful for people to hear this. So um, I think it's the same thing as anything you're going to do in your business. How does this fit into your customer journey? Right? So for me, and this kind of moves into that area, my customer journey is um, people come in, they go on the virgin diet. Well, what do you need when you're doing the virgin diet, which really helps you uncover your hidden food intolerances to figure out which foods work for you, which foods don't. Well, if you figure out that you really need to stay away from gluten and dairy, you need recipes. So you're going to need them to stay on the program. Um, and then the next move I move them into is sugar impact diet. So everything was built to work together and to be a necessary part of the business. And then within the recipes, we also included recipes that use my protein powders 
so that people are like, I don't like a smoothie, right? I mean, you, st you get those people like, I don't like a smoothie or, you know, there it's Minnesota in the winter. I can totally get that you wouldn't want a smoothie. So we created like hot protein cocoa and protein balls and protein pancakes and protein muffins and all that kind of stuff. So it's really about knowing if you're going to do something, how is it going to help your business? Is it attracting your, your ideal avatar? Um, you know, I know my avatar doesn't want to spend tons of time in the kitchen. They want simple, fast recipes they can use. And does that allow me then to market other things to them? Like, can I pull some of these recipes out, put them into a little guidebook, add some ads for other things in there? So that's what I would tell you is if you want to do a cookbook, how does it fit into your business? Or is your business, are you going to be someone whose whole business is selling recipes and maybe having sponsors from different spice companies and pots and pans companies or whatever. Um, so that's the first piece of it. The second piece of it is here's what's great about writing cookbooks is you can write off your food. <laughs> Seriously, you can write off your food, your cookware, part of your kitchen, you know? So, I mean, that's what's a great tax awesome. write off. Yeah. <laughs> it's think it's about fantastic. That. You know, yeah. like you can redo your whole kitchen because it's where you're doing all your taping. I actually bought a house uh, in Palm Desert that was my entire studio. The whole front room was different sets and then the kitchen set that we had set up so we could do cooking shows, etc. in there. So that's a, one of the cool little things is all of a sudden you can write off a load of stuff that you wouldn't have thought of, right? And same with going to restaurants and trying out different things so that you can really identify what you might want to bring into your cookbooks. So that's them. What was, I don't remember the initial question. I just went yeah, off on it. It's just kind of like the, the, big, the big steps of actually getting uh, it done. And so, so identifying big, how it fits yes. in your business model. Okay, so if, how does it fit in your business model? And then who's writing? So when you do a cookbook, you know, what's the through line of the cookbook with Virgin Diet? It's obviously foods that don't have those seven food, mm. the seven issues in them with sugar impact diet. It's foods that are low on the sugar impact diet scale. So what's different about your cookbook? What makes it different, unique, hooky, so people would want to buy it, right? It's not appealing to everyone. Maybe it's for kids with food sensitivities who are picky eaters. And that's what's awesome about self-publishing is you can get super niche with your stuff. Maybe it's um, autoimmune protocol, diet recipes for kids. So think about who it's going to be for. That is really, really important and how you're going to market this thing. Mm -hmm. Now, I met someone, I was doing a little consulting for at Paleo FX. They do a health entrepreneur FX day. And I had a gal who sat down with me. She goes, you know, I want to quit my job. All I want to do is be a cookbook writer. I wrote a cookbook. It's almost done. And so this, all I want to do this next year is sell my cookbook and that's it. That's how I'm going to live. And I go, great. All right. Let's just run through the numbers on that. And um, <laughs> now I'm the biggest like positive, Hey, you know, figure out your dream, go for it. But I also love, you know, we got to run the numbers here. And 100%. So, Right? Because I'm like, all right, you want to use a cookbook. I go, well, so how big's your audience? I don't have an audience, you know? And her whole thing was, it was around autoimmune. So she figured out, figured out a niche that was great and how easy it was to eat if you had autoimmune disease, but she had no contacts, no audience, no budget, and needed to make $20,000 in the next year off this cookbook. And I was like, well, if you run those numbers, I said, I think I would always look at these books and go, if you have a cookbook, what is it doing for you? Are you selling online cooking lessons? Are you selling pots? Like what else are you doing? Then the other thing to think of when you are doing writing cookbooks is you have to really nail each recipe and the, ideally the ingredients have to be pretty easy to get. Um, you know, it can't be some random, like we did one as we were starting sugar impact diet most of my stuff was done with monk fruit, but back then monk fruit was hard to find. Well, that was a nightmare. You know, people were like, what else can I use? We were using monk fruit and red palm fruit oil. And those two things put people over the edge. Um, so make sure foods are really easy to come by, that they are not too expensive. Think about your avatar, unless you've got like the Neiman Marcus shoppers and that you're really, that they're 
really specific all the way down. If there's anything like, is it four ounces cooked or four ounces raw? It will literally pummel your social media. And you know, the minute you write a book, you are now this person's one-on-one coach, even if they never bought the book. <laughs> I mean, right? Am I not yeah, right on this? Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, I can't tell you how many people are like, I haven't bought your book yet, but I've got this, this, and this going on. What do you think I should do? I'm like, what? You yeah. know, call your functional medicine doctor is what I think you should do. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. Uh, this is amazing. Uh, so, obviously now you've got shakes, you've got bars, you've got supplements, you've got programs, you've got a full store. I just went there yesterday poking around. It's awesome. Which came first? Did you have that before the books? Um, did you start doing the books and then built out kind of this full product line? How has that, how has that evolved over time? So when I did the first book that um, never, never really went anywhere, um, I wasn't ready. I didn't really think about a book as a catalyst for everything else that you build a brand around. When I did the second book, Six Weeks to Sleeveless and Sexy, I had a program that went with it. But when I lined up to do the virgin diet, I'd gone through all that stuff and then I knew exactly what I needed to do. I knew I needed assets to help sell the book, a program on the back end, and that anything that I was mentioning, I either was going to produce myself or have affiliate relations with. And I, I honestly, besides that being a smart business decision, it's actually the first place you come from is how do I make sure that if I'm walking someone through how to do this, that I've made it so easy for them to do all of it, where all of a sudden now it doesn't become them spending hours in the grocery store trying to figure things out, where they're trying to search out how to get the right equipment or whatever. You really, it's up to you when you're walking someone through this to be able to give them every single thing they need to be successful, how to get those things, whatever you're, whatever you're selling, whatever you're teaching about, right? Because if it's impossible for them to get their hands on something, you're just going to frustrate them. So Virgin Diet, I had it all lined up. Um, and, you know, I, I'd been selling supplements f- for years, but I had it and I'd been working one-on-one and in groups with people for years. Virgin Diet had already been tested with thousands of people online, started one-on-one, then I moved online. And, um, but I was, I had created my own shake because I couldn't back then, there were not really good um, shakes that didn't have one of the seven foods that I didn't want people to have. The shakes were delayed. So the book launched and the shakes launched two months later, which drove me crazy. Yeah. Because I was like, just why? Yeah, because we, we, you know, we had so much massive hits right from the start with public television and, and uh, an online book launch. And I lost two months of sales, which probably was a million, two million bucks right there. Um, but then when we did launch, I remember we launched and I was on Rachel Ray in the Today Show and did the shake launch all in the same week. And we sold out of half a million dollars of shakes in like three days. And we had so many backward. I didn't have a customer service center or anything set up. I had one person who would answer email. Oh. And, this, and, and I was in the hospital with my son who was, you know, recovering from a coma that had happened a month before the book came out. So I was in the hospital pretty much during all this or flying to a TV thing and coming back. So I've been in the hospital and I get the call going, we've got 300 emails that just came in. <laughs> So it's like, so like within a matter of a couple of days, we had 3000 customer service inquiries because the company that was selling the shakes for us, even though I told them what was going to happen, they were not used to selling to consumers. They sold through doctors. And when we got all those orders, they weren't ready. And it took weeks to get the products out and we didn't have a customer service department. Like it was, and I'm sitting in the hospital and I'm like, uh, (laughs) We built wow. a customer service department overnight, like literally. Yeah. yeah. And, and how does that differ from what you have now? I mean, have you guys brought all that stuff in house? Are you still working with an external partner? Like what does that look like on the back end for the, the physical product side of things? So I played around with a lot of different things on the physical products and how best to do them. And I had a relationship of 20 years and one of the people I trust more on the planet than anybody. The the challenge in supplement world is that there's a lot of stuff out there that's just not that great. 
Um, and I'm playing the long game. I want people to use this stuff forever. And so um, there were very few things that I would use, right, that were the quality I wanted. So I finally settled on the company that I'd known forever. And what was great about them is they have four manuf four. Uh, distribution centers and two manufacturing plants. So they were able to do all this stuff and put in my like gifts with purchase and stuff in their centers. And they actually did all that for me. And we built a whole program around it for other health entrepreneurs to be able to do it too. So that's how that all, and then, and then they ended up buying my brand and bringing it in house. So I actually, my IP is in one holding company and all of my consumer goods and everything else got sold over to them. And the that, I'm guessing it. that's a licensing deal. It started as a licensing deal and then it's, it's set up kind of as a licensing deal and buyout. So it's a little bit of a complicated deal, but it allowed them to also add a consumer line to their professional brands. That's now expanding into an, a whole new area for them. So smart for them too, because when you look at company EBITDAs, I've always been someone who never puts my eggs in one basket. I like to have multiple monetization streams. You know, I think it's super important for you to do. And so I always had like, I had my business stuff and then I had my IP and then I had my products. So for them, it allowed them to have their professional brands selling through doctors and a consumer brand. So it gave them um, more variety, different income streams as well. So good for all of us. Yeah, that's super smart. Um, mm -hmm. So you talk about multiple income streams and like, what does the path look like? How do you take someone from buying a book, buying a cookbook to other products? And what is that kind of whole ecosystem looks like? It sounds like maybe they buy the diet book, which will introduce them to some of the physical products. And then maybe also the cookbook is a workbook style for that. Yeah. But like, what does that ecosystem look like? And what are the other things beyond the physical products that kind of flow into from a business perspective? I just love books more than anything else because I feel like if someone picks up your book and reads your book, first of all, like I wrote the books, I write all my books. They're super simple to follow and easy to share because I want people sharing them. I mean, as you know, the biggest reason books sell is word of mouth. Now we have to do a whole lot at liftoff to get word of mouth to go it's like the airplane burning off 90% of its fuel liftoff to get to the other side. But um, I really want word of mouth to go. So it's books are a huge thing for me. But in the book, I am talking about, you know, referring to my products, my programs. Now, when I wrote Virgin Diet, they were like, it was back way before um, when Tom Brady wrote TB12, he kind of changed the industry for us because to me, TB12, his book, I don't know if you've looked at it, but it's a book that just sells all his products. I mean, it's just like a product catalog. <laughs> and I was like, cool. Yeah. Any editor who's published, because the publisher's like, you can't say all that stuff. And I go, Tom Brady did, you know? <laughs> so um, he kind of shifted the industry a bit where we used to, if we put our products in, we had to put other products in. I mean, we put opt-ins in, but um, I see the book as, as, as your small soldier that can go around and do the work for you as a way that makes you credible and different than other people, right? I mean, when you have a book, it's like you're real, especially with so much stuff online. There's something different about someone who has a book. Now, I don't look at the book as the way I make my money right? Specifically from the book, even though I've gotten these multi-million dollar advances, I look at the book as the way I build my audience, as the way I differentiate myself from everybody else. And as the way I get their attention for them to really start to go, oh, this is why I'd want to use this shake. And I trust her and I'm going to do what she says and recommends. And I'll tell you, this is such a great example. I looked at my business. And so I have my books that lead to programs and both of those lead to the products and then I also have like, you know, my Facebook groups and podcast and all these things to support. But for, you know, I look at where all our money comes from and the majority of our income comes from the products that the books and the programs and the blogs and the recipes and the they all sell to the products. So at one point, I think it was like five years ago, I was sitting in at Strategic Coach and I thought I should just sell straight to the products. Everyone, that's where I'm making all my money. Why am I wasting all this time on all these books and programs? Forget it. I'm just going to sell the products. Well, 
the minute I switched to that, things started to decline because now it was a commodity that was competing against other commodities. And now all of a sudden they're looking at my shake versus other shakes and the price of the shakes. Instead of going, I trust her. You know, I know she's got a whole program. I know she cares about my health. I'm telling my friends about what she says. It's very different than just some nameless, faceless product brand, right? I mean, it is why people are going to go drink bulletproof coffee as opposed to some coffee served somewhere where someone's knocked off Dave and has put, you know, the same stuff in it, right? Because they see Dave on social, they read the bulletproof diet, which I pushed him to, um, I wrote the forward for Bulletproof Diet, so I'm very thrilled about that. But, you know, it's the exact same thing. Like what makes Bulletproof Coffee different than the other coffees that have tried to do something similar? Well, he's created his persona in his book. Mm -hmm. So books are so, like, it is, I I see it as one of the essential elements. When When I'm working with one of the doctors, I coach a lot of doctors and health experts on how you build your platform. And I think a TEDx talk's another great one. Like I look at what are the things that you need to have in order to become this real iconic person. And it's, it's knowing what your niche is and the audience you serve, having a book, and then having more if the journey fits. Don't just keep throwing books out. Have a reason for the book to come. And, um, and then adding other things like who you shared the stage with, TEDx, podcast. But I think a book is one of the most important things. Great. And I think, you know, it's interesting how you're talking about like teaching the methodology and the products are a part of that methodology. And it's almost like the brand, the ecosystem, the whatever you want to call it, like rises above the product and Mm -hmm. keeps the product from becoming a a commodity, which is super. I mean, it's using content marketing and it's using branding. It's using all these things to kind of probably expand the price elasticity that people are willing to pay, but also the loyalty to the brand. Exactly. It's interesting. We, this last year, really didn't do much to build new customers. And yet our, our income stayed stable because we have these customers that just don't leave. They have been loyal for years. Now, that is not a business model to follow. You've got to also build new customers, which we're back at doing. I was like, guys, hello. Um, But... (laughs) You know, most people are so focused on customer acquisition. And if you just took some of that attention and put, how do I, how do I really build a raving fan? How do I build someone who has that? I've said things in my books, uh, in my interviews, where on my website that are shareable that make it easy. I mean, easy for people to pass on my information and share it and share the concepts. So other people will become curious and start to trust what I have to say and want to use what I recommend because they trust me. Yeah, that's great. Have you, have you um, read any of Joey Coleman's stuff on never lose a customer again? You know, I, um, I'm in mastermind talks with Joey and this is, it's like, I keep writing down, like I need Joey to speak to, to speak to our crew. It's like, so now you're reminding me again and I'm writing it down again. Well, so, I mean, obviously this is something you already excel at. It's, um, we, we, we did never lose a customer again as a company book club at self-publishing school. Mm-hmm. And he's been on the self-publishing school podcast and it's so good. I know I've heard <laughs> he, so he many came in and did a Q and A with the team. Him. It's like one of their favorite of all time, uh, after the book club, like it's, it's, it's really, really great. Um, okay. we're the, we're the take, home take lots of notes then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what, like, yeah, final couple of questions. You know, you were talking about coaching a lot of health experts and how a book is super important. Like, when do you think makes sense? Because I'm sure you get asked this all the time. It's like, hey, should I do a book? Should I wait? When, when and why would you do it as if you're, if, if it's a health expert listening to this, thinking about it? Well, I always, when someone tells me that they want to write a book, I always want to know why they want to write a book. And there's actually a couple different reasons they can use, they can write a book. One might be purely because they're repeating themselves to their patients. And, you know, that can be, I mean, that is such a game changer. All my stuff was already written down before it became a book because I kept repeating myself. So we kept writing it down and putting it up. So, you know, part of this just could be what you need. And it might just be a simple 50 page guide. But if you find you're repeating yourself, 
that thing should turn into something. Now, whether it's actually a book or not, because I can't tell you how many of my um, friends are like, okay, I've got to write a book. And it's, it's how to optimize your health. No, already I'm like, no, you know, and, and they go, and there's five steps. I go, let me guess. Right. And so when you're going to take a book out big, I think we want to put everything, especially in the health field, they want to put everything they ever learned in there. And it's got to, and go, what you really want to look at is one area. So I was known for something called overcoming weight loss resistance. I taught this all over the country to doctors. I would do these conferences, a couple hundred doctors at a conference. There were seven different areas of, of weight loss resistance, things that gotten you in the way of you losing weight or caused you to gain weight. One of them was your gut. And part of that was food intolerance. My agent, Celeste Fine, was like, just do that. I go, no, no, no. I've got these seven things. I want to do all this stuff. This would have been like the book that Ben Greenfield just published, Boundless. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this. Like 500 pages. <laughs> yeah, 650. <laughs> it's holding my door open. I'm like, Ben, you know, um, that could have been like four books. So, yeah. you know, she was right. It's like, just pull the concept out. Pull that thing that's going to get people to go, oh my gosh, when they do this, they have these results. Then they're going to want to know everything that you do. Mm, so that's the mm. other key thing is that rest that stuff. Hey, that's a program. That's awesome that you've got those five steps. We all do. Um, but put that into a program and look at the thing that you could pull out that could become something that as people go through it, they see possibility. You help them, you know, with that first part of the gap of where they are and where they want to be. They've got some possibility. They get a win and then they want to go all in with you on everything. So when you write a book, when you know what that thing is. Now, the challenge is most of us have that thing, but we don't know that we have that thing because that thing's right under our nose. Like, I didn't know I had that thing. My agent was like, that thing. I go, no, no, no. You know, it's there for most people, but that's where you really need a coach or someone to see it. Um, and find that piece. So probably whatever you're doing right now, there's a piece of your thing. I mean, just look at Russell Brunson in all the books he's written that just pull out a thing. He doesn't try to write like how to build the entire funnel. It's like, here's list building. Here's, you know, <laughs> you know, here's the expert thing. It's like piece by piece by piece. So think of that too with what you're doing is what are you doing that you're known for that people come and talk to you about that you would sit and talk at a party about whether you got paid to do it or not that you read everything about that you have a different take on and you also have some unique ability and credibility around that you could write about. That's your book. If you've got that, do that. And if you're thinking, oh, I should get a big publisher, blah, 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 New York Times. Um, I always want to know why on that because quite often it's just purely for significance and yeah. you know there's a lot of ways we can do that but again, <laughs> just because you you self-publish doesn't mean that you can't ever sell that to a traditional publisher if yes. you choose but gosh now you know during this time when we're in our houses that we're recording this do you think there's even beyond the bookstores and airports I just wonder if we'll even have bookstores anywhere else anymore. It's going to become like basically, you know, Amazon and airports. And I don't know about you, but I'm like trying to minimize my airport travel. It just doesn't sound yeah. very fun. <laughs> you know, yeah. the thrill of that is gone. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, so there's, there's one of the biggest reasons to go with the publisher was to get someone who would buy your books up and put them in all these places. But yeah, now that's gone. So 100%. Okay. Hey, final question. What, um, knowing what you know now, obviously doing multiple books, doing diet books, doing cookbooks, doing more traditional books, like knowing what you know now for the other, uh, the, the other JJs of the world that are listening to this, uh, watching this from, you know, like if you were to go back before you wrote your first one, what would be your advice, kind of party piece of advice for those folks? I never sign a contract without an attorney would be step one. And um, I love Pat Flynn's Will It Fly? I think it's super important before you write the book to you know, see if it passes the Starbucks test of you're talking about something in line and someone goes, what'd you just say? You know, does it pass that I spoke about it on a stage and people followed me out? Mm. Is it the thing you're obsessed with? If it is, man, write the book and do not get yourself all worked up that this has to be the end all be all your, you know, your tome that will last through history. You're going to write the next 
you know, love languages or what, just get, get the book out because just the process of that first book I wrote with the um, person who tried to own me for the rest of my life, just that process allowed me to do the next book. And that book, that process and going through the campaigns and stuff were how I was able to do the virgin diet. Rachel Hollis said this in an interview. She goes that, you know, I didn't wake up one day out of nowhere and write girl, wash your face. That wasn't my first Mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. So I think we look at someone and go, Oh my gosh, I can, you know, it's, it's yes, you can totally do these things and it's a journey, but journeys don't happen unless you take the first step. So just take it. Love that. Love that. It's the whole takes 10 years of coming overnight success. <laughs> and or, or 25. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. JJ, this has been so great. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find out more about you, your books, your programs, all the, all the stuff that you're up to? So consumer is jjvirgin.com. And then business for if you are in the health world is mindsharecollaborative.com. Awesome. JJ, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you could be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you could be listening to, YouTube channels that you'd be watching. Uh, So thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, And then number three, this is probably the most important Uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right. Reviews are super important in helping the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, So number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that. I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right. All you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step. So how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.